Everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Game Devs Quest, your once weekly podcast following two game dev scrubs into game devdom. If we can do it, you can too. I'm Rhett. I'm Taylor. And delivering on our promise uh, for another week. We're on a roll. Uh, we have been talking about getting some guests on to talk about their trades, their crafts, to talk about game dev, talk about life, whatever it might be. And uh, today we are delivering on that yet again. We're joined by Alana Lanier. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hi, this is Alana. How's everyone um, doing? Why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? I mean, you were, I mean, not necessarily it was our podcast, but we talked with you months ago about the topic, why do we quit? And if people haven't listened to that and don't know who you are, why don't you just tell them a little bit? Sure. So, um... That is a very complicated question, how to put it simply. <laughs> so I live in Austin right now. And when I moved to Austin two years ago, I decided to switch careers and become a game developer. So I'm still at the beginning, just like everyone else. But before <laughs> then, in New York, I was an actor from age like 12 until I moved to Austin in my mid-20s. And the later five to 10 years of that was voice acting. So I've got the voice acting background, I have the theater background, I have the film background, the show business, the child actor, and now I'm a game dev. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I was t- telling Taylor about this before, but uh, you know, uh, Austin is one of the only other cities in the country that has a Voodoo Donuts, and yes. we're from Oregon, so <laughs> that's where uh, I got breakfast. Awesome. Yes, <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, we're big fans of Voodoo up here. Yeah, I had one with Captain Crunch on it. That that was really good. (laughs) I just get the plain chocolate one. Otherwise, it's too sugary sweet for me. But they're so good. (laughs) It's just too much. Uh, (laughs) Plus, though, the problem is like over in Portland, you just you always have like a huge line. I don't know if that's the case in Austin. Oh yeah, and it's cash only, so everyone forgets and has to go back. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) they wait in line for thirty minutes and get turned away at the door because uh, much. Uh, many um, restaurants and fast food trucks, et cetera, in Austin are cashless. You only can pay with card. So people are used to 100%. that. But either only paying with their phones or only paying for their car- with their card because Austin is such a tech-heavy city. Yeah. And then you go to Voodoo Donuts and it's like, what is this paper money I have to give you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I never have money on me. I have I precisely do. $3 every single time. That way I can go to the pool. I can go to Barton Springs Pool and then I have like quarters for Voodoo Donuts. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I don't know why, but like my, my grandpa always convinced me that like, you know, oh, just have cash on you just in case. You're never going to regret it. And I always always followed his advice. So uh, easy target to be mugged. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Glad you announced that. Now everyone uh, yeah, knows. Yeah. Well, That's absolutely. a tough guy though. So. Oh, thanks. Just, just tougher than you. That's all. Yeah, that's also true. <laughs> I'm not emotionally very tough, if that makes anybody a little less uh, off-put. Yeah, I don't know if I am either, though. So I, can't I get literally anyone's, can't but... get... Right. <laughs> I literally can't get through a single episode of This Is Us without bawling, so... <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah. enough about that. <laughs> um... So, yeah, last time we had you on, we were talking about 
why we quit. We talked a lot about self-care stuff. It looks like recently, well, not recently, we just talked about this, but you were at uh, RTX Austin. Yes. Which you want to tell us about that, how that was and what it's all about for those who are uninitiated? Yeah, sure. So Rooster Teeth is a local, it's based in Austin, but local makes it sound small. It's massive. They're the people who do the red versus blue on YouTube. They do the anime Ruby that people might be um, familiar with. They do a lot of content creation, camp, camp. There's a lot of stuff that they do. And in the last couple of years, what they've been doing is trying to uh, publish games and get their gaming department bigger. And so one of the things they did was when we – so Bendy and the Ink Machine is kind of a weird story because it's that's not how – games should be published. <laughs> it was a <laughs> fluke. Um, it was that Neatly and Mike Mood were working on a different project. And Meatly just like in a weekend was like, we've been working on this for, for a very long time. Let's just take five days and make like a stupid horror game. Let's make something that makes it look like we're walking through a sketchbook and just playing with this idea. And I QA it and a bunch of like people put inputs into it. And at the end of it, it was just like a Benny Link Machine demo that we were just messing with. And then someone suggested, well, why don't we call it chapter one and release it just in case people like it? And then we can have a story. And <laughs> that night, I don't know who it was, but some Russian YouTuber found it and played it and it got over like, I want to say like a million views. Like it, it blew up overnight. And then the next day Markiplier played it and then it blew up even more. So within like two weeks, we had to learn a lot about legal. We had to learn about like <laughs> oh, wow. Chinese bootleg. We had to learn a lot in such a small <laughs> amount of time. Um, so. It just grew and grew and grew and grew, and now you can find the toys in Hot Topic and Spencer's and Target and Walmart, and it's wonderful and massive. But one of the things that Meatly and Mike wanted to do was also to bring it to console. So um, Rooster Teeth and them are they're collaborating to ha- make that happen. So Rooster Teeth is publishing Benny and Ink Machine on PS4, Xbox, and Switch on October 12th. It's coming out oh. at GameStop. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So from that's amazing. A stupid weekend game. It, see, this is that's why I prefaced with it doesn't happen like this. This was a fluke. Right. Don't think, don't beat yourself up if your game isn't played by some Russian YouTuber and <laughs> up the next day. Right. Well, it's kind of amazing the role that like streamers and YouTubers and stuff have kind of in the indie game market. They are vital. And we just kind of talked about this. On the the podcast that we just released today, actually. So we had a friend of mine, Bentley Michaels, who's also uh, does voiceovers and things like that. Well, he got hit up through Fiverr for some like little project. And this guy was like, yeah, I'm making this game. And it turned – the game's very controversial. I don't know if you've heard about it. It's kind of notorious. It's um, amazingly misogynistic, but it's taken on a life of its own as kind of like a meme. What is it? <laughs> and the game's called – it's called House Party. It was just taken down off Steam like a couple weeks ago, I noticed, like no maybe way. a week or two that. ago. Yeah, well, because they called it pornographic, and it is pornographic, uh, for sure. Uh, you don't ever really see any of that stuff on the YouTube clips, obviously, um, or the, the stuff that the streamers are playing. But uh, looking into it more, it's because it's basically like, I don't know if you know, like the Leisure Suit Larry, like adventure game no. uh, at all. Okay. Well, anyway, House Party is like an adventure game mm-hmm. with multiple endings mm-hmm. and branching dialogue, but it's all about going to this house party and trying to like hook up with people. And uh, you 
<laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, but it's uh, he got this job through Fiverr, and he had no idea what it was. Oh, no. And he did it, and he he performed, and they paid him, and all this stuff. But then it took on a life of its own because of the streamers. The game is so it's it's like not a AAA game by any means. It's very cheesy, very hokey, very. It, it's done in a certain way, but uh, the streamers go on. Like I don't know if you know Game Grumps. They're yeah. huge on YouTube. Yeah. Anyway, they did like a twenty part like video series on this game and his character turned into a meme uh bentley's character turned into a meme on there and everybody loves to make fun of the game and it's it's like i said it's a meme at this point but somehow because of the streamers the thing took off it's sold like more than three or yeah wait it's sold uh god how many did we say taylor i don't know but it's I made it's like, like three hundred thousand copy okay so wow. right so at 15 bucks a piece it's yeah. made like three and a half million dollars or whatever that is wow. which is just and it's all of because of these streamers and the memes taking off like there's no way to control it it's bizarre how that happens it really is um but anyway so that's awesome so that's i didn't know that that's how bendy yep took <laughs> off and <laughs> my part in it is even better because um, I was doing it as a favor. Like I wanted to be, I QA'd it and I was trying to get into game dev, like I said, and they did this two or three months after I moved to Austin and neatly asked me to do what was, what became the only voiceover line in chapter one, that I'm out of here line that everyone loves to quote. <laughs> yeah. I originally recorded it and he thought that it would be better. Like, well, if we do this story thing, I think it'd be better for this different part. If you mind, can I record this? And then can I get back to you if we like develop this further? So yeah, sure. I'm just doing this favor. I don't care. And then two years later, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> so now, like, what does your role look like now? Like how much time are you, are you putting into it as, when- you know, like a new chapter comes out? When Meatly needs something, um, he messages me. Basically, I'm on hold if he needs something, and it's mostly voiceover related at this point. Yeah. So, Bendy will be done in October. So, I'm focusing on my own game dev stuff. Because as much as I love Meatly and as much as I love Bendy, I don't do voice acting anymore. So, I kind of just continue this favor for him because you have to finish what you started. But, yeah. Right. (laughs) Right. I can't remember where I saw it, but I remember you saying, like, you know, moving to Austin was, like, closing that the acting chapter exactly. on your life and that like the the bendy thing kind of slipped in there somehow <laughs> it really did <laughs> which is just funny now too that it's it's ended up taking off like just really goes to show you you can't tell what's going to work or not seriously um, <laughs> and i was a voice actor for god knows how many years like i must have I, I sold people toothpaste like if you've bought a laptop if you went to sonic you heard my voice and i have people <laughs> messaging me on twitter like oh how is it that you finally broke into voice acting what's your next step <laughs> screw all of you <laughs> Wasn't that amazing uh, how it works out, right? Like your voice could be heard by tons of thousands of people and they just don't care because it's like they don't have a face to put it to. It's Or your parts thing. that they don't care because like in New York, right. Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon are there too. So I was often in those studios and I didn't do anything important. So they don't know that I have this like huge background and everyone – oh, it's so annoying. They, they mean well, but some of the ways they phrase it is just so like – Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know they I, I love them and I know they mean well but some of the phrasing I just twitch a little and then I keep going <laughs> yeah so you so you get lines and things like that that you don't really want to say or it doesn't feel like you or what do you mean exactly um 
they so I'll get a tweet like um what's it you must be so honored to be part of such an amazing game like Bendy and I'm like well yeah but if you put it that way it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it must be such a humbling and wonderful experience well yes but like just the some tweets are right they don't mean for it's, it to come off but it does right it's kind of like those memes that I've been seeing a lot about it's like wow you know you're such a good artist I wish I could draw as well as you you're naturally gifted and it's like no I actually exactly. have drawn 10,000 pictures yeah. and you're like wow <laughs> I wish I was born with your talent yep. you're like no I worked really hard yeah, yeah exactly there's no such thing as an overnight success that person's yeah. been working at it for 20 years definitely yeah. <laughs> um so Speaking of working at it for 20 years. <laughs> yeah, that's what, I, that's what I was trying to think of how to phrase that question. <laughs> so a lot of people, when they ask about voice acting, because I know a lot of people do, they see the person like me with Bendy, or they see the end result. They see the person being successful, or they see even the middle ground where they're trying to get roles. They don't see the beginning, which the beginning of anything is ugly. Like everyone, like you said, with the artists, they look at the Mona Lisa, or they look at some artist that they love online and go, well, I can't do that right now, so I'm not even going to try. That person had to learn how to make a circle and draw a line before doing anything. No one's born talented. So I find that with voice acting, anytime someone asks me, well, how do I can, what can I do? How can I do what you do? Um, and depending on how they phrase that question, I have a few different answers. So the first one is, I've been told I have a great voice. How can I do what you do? How can I get paid to use my great voice? <laughs> um, one, if all you got is a great voice, I don't know, start a podcast. Like that's not voice acting. <laughs> the acting part is the important part of voice acting. So if you can have, if you can make funny voices or whatever, I mean, have fun, but that's not voice acting. Um, learn how to act, maybe take an improv class. That is amazing because then you can look at dialogue and you can create a character around it since there's no um, costume to kind of get you into it. So you're just – when you're given a acting role, you're given a sheet of paper and if you're lucky, there's a piece – there's a photograph or a drawing or a picture or even a description of the character if you're lucky. Sometimes they kind of just go, girl in her 30s, go. Um, <laughs> so you look at the photo. You kind of like – with any acting gig, you kind of get in her head or his head and you – Figure out what type of person, what do they eat for breakfast, where are they from, what's their relationship with their parents, all that stuff. And then you act as that character. The only difference is that it's only your voice. So take improv classes, take acting classes, even take body classes, movement classes. That way you can actually get in the booth and move because often people just see the microphone and they freeze and they stand there like a soldier. And if you stand there like a soldier, you're going to sound like you're standing there like a soldier. And it's not going to translate into a character. So when you go into a booth, you want to wear a costume. As long as it doesn't jingle jangle or rustle or something, some fabrics make noise. As long as it's a silent costume, go for it. If you <laughs> need like some sort of prop or something, go for it. As long as it doesn't make any sound, do it. Don't just stand there. Don't just huddle. You need to move. You need to act. So that's the first thing. Have you, uh, sorry to interrupt, have you seen that video of Hugh Jackman playing Wolverine? <laughs> oh with the like, uh, motion capture 
I don't know if it's a motion capture, but he's doing like the growling as he's like in a fight scene and he's in just like this sound booth and he's like, <laughs> like running and yes! it's, a, it's great seeing that. And it's also amazing what the internet turned it into, but uh, <laughs> uh, that's what that reminded me of. So That's exactly it. That's a great example of it. That's exactly what you need to be doing. See, I found, I, I don't have any real experience doing voice acting or anything like that. And, and my only experience comes from when I was in college before I flunked out, uh, <laughs> I had to take a speech class and the only speech courses that were offered was a business speech course. And then there was a theater course that was essentially voice acting. And I was like, well, that sounds more fun. <laughs> so I, I took that and the one thing that I took away was like how much like physically emoting mm-hmm. really helped deliver what you're trying to do. Yes. You know, like moving a little bit or standing how you might you think your character might stand or anything like that. It really goes a long ways trying to like capture that. Cause otherwise, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm sure that there are people that can just stand there in the booth and stand straight as a board and talk right into the microphone and do whatever they want to do, but um, but I don't think there also... is. I don't think there is, to be honest. With you. I really don't. Uh, think there is. Well, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like there's also kind of the physiology aspect where if you are like, like if you're trying to be all energetic and you're just slumped over the microphone or something, you're not going to be able to convey that. So yeah. that makes sense. It's kind of like how you're supposed to smile before you call customer service. <laughs> yeah, right. hear the smile in their voice. Yeah, exactly. You have to. <laughs> otherwise, you come off as angry as you feel. You need to smile. <laughs> <laughs> I worked in a call center for two years, and they always said that, like, let them hear your smile. It's like, well, it's true. It is true. I it's annoying, but it's hear- true. It is, yeah. <laughs> Taylor also wants them to hear his fist into their face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's amazing. All right. So, what, what was the next step you were you were about to talk about before yeah, I please. interrupted you with Hugh Jack? Oh, you didn't interrupt at all. That was perfect. <laughs> um, so that's honestly that's like the number one. If I were to give just a paragraph on what you need to do, that <laughs> <laughs> once you uh, have that down, then you can start. Th- like that's that's the tutorial level, and then after the tutorial level, <laughs> you can start thinking about well, how do I get gigs and how do I get jobs? And that's where I think most people go into it expecting that advice, but they go in so green that they don't have the tutorial level done. So I can tell you to go to any place on the map, but you're going to die immediately. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you need your first weapons. So yeah. um, there's different ways to approach it depending on where you live. So the easiest ways is if you live in Dallas, LA, or uh, New York. So they're known for different markets. LA is known for Hollywood and for cartoons. Uh, Cartoon Network's there. Nickelodeon's there. Um, If you want to... See, this is where it branches. So a lot of people, when they go to conventions, they watch anime and they want to be involved in dubbing. Voice acting for cartoons and dubbing are completely different things. Voice acting for cartoons, you're creating a character. It's just like theater or film. And so you create the voice, you create the character. That stuff pays more because you're creating something. Meanwhile, dubbing is, it's 
just as difficult, but you don't get paid nearly as much because you're taking a character that's already done. You go into the studio, there's a TV, and they play the little clip of your voice and you hear beeps. You hear three beeps and then you go. So it's beep, 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 and then you start talking. Um, and the trick is to know the line well enough and how you're going to deliver it and look at the TV so that you can match the mouth flaps. So that you don't have like a Godzilla thing where they're talking and they're saying like konnichiwa and the English is just hi. (laughs) (laughs) And often the trick with that and the director tells you what to do. Like it's not all on you. But like for konnichiwa, it's a lot longer than the word hi. So usually for something like konnichiwa, you would say, hi, how are you? Just to match the the mouth Mm. flaps. So that's a completely different craft than creating your own character for like Nickelodeon or for Cartoon Network. So with that distinction, you need to figure out which one you want to do or both. It doesn't matter. But often people don't even think about one or the other. So if you're going for the dubbing, um, dubbing happens in all those. Dallas is known for Funimation. Um, Mm. LA has uh, Bang Zoom. They do dubbing. They're the ones who do... uh, not fully, fully. That's Funimation. I don't know. Bing Zoom does a bunch of them. I, my friends who work here are going to get so Bing Zoom does uh, a bunch of them. Funimation's in Dallas. And then New York, honestly, the only – well, I shouldn't say the only, but the major ones in New York are Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon. New York's known for commercials. So that's where the money is, to be honest with you. If you want to go into voice acting you want to make money, uh, commercial is a – it's a great place to make money. You go there for two hours. You sell some <laughs> shampoo. They give you a thousand bucks and you're done. <laughs> nice. Um, so knowing what category of voice acting you want to get into is really important because people don't even realize it's not just cartoons. That person on the subway that says, like, stand clear of the closing doors, please. That's a voice <laughs> actor. And he got paid right. bank yeah. to do that. I saw um, Seth Rogen just did that for, uh, was yeah. it, where, where was it, Vancouver, I think? I think so. It was that, somewhere that'd be pretty oh, yeah. funny. <laughs> and he's got his laugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever he does, I can't do it. <laughs> I want to hear the recording of that and see if he actually plays it up or if it's just like a side gig he got and everyone found out, like, hey, that's Seth Rogen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see, and that's the thing. Those are the things that uh, our friend Bentley Michaels, who's just on, d- primarily does. He does a lot of like uh, real estate, like mm-hmm. uh, virtual tours type stuff. And he also did like a bunch of travel kiosks in Australia. Nice. Like people <laughs> trying to go around, you know, and he's like, you know, here is the famous building where blah, blah, blah happened a hundred years ago or whatever, you know, whatever it might be. I have no idea what <laughs> any of the lines were, but. <laughs> Yeah, there, there's it's so, like anything else where there's a whole market of things that you don't really think about is what it sounds like that you could potentially are, um, right be involved in and mm-hmm. and what also are, it sounds like the things that are you know more associated with fun aren't going to be paid as well. No, they are <laughs> right. not. Telephony plays really well. The person who's like press one for whatever, yeah, press oh. zero for the operator, that pays like solid. That's funny, huh? What are some things that require a voiceover actor that people might not realize? We just talked about a couple, subway, telephone, but like what are some other like very um not secretive. What is the word I'm trying to think of? I don't know, but ones uh, that you ones don't that really people think might not about. Ex- 
Right. That's a good question because often you don't think about it. Anything that has <laughs> any sort of voice activation, anytime you hear a disembodied voice anywhere, whether it's an elevator or hold music or the radio, like, okay, so imaging in the radio, anytime you hear like, you're listening to Z100, whatever, <laughs> that person got paid money to say that. That's not just like, once you, I think because in school and colleges, you can do whatever you want, like a a little Jewish girl can play like an old man. Like it doesn't <laughs> matter because you're in theater and you're in school and you can play whatever role. In the real world, you p- play what you look like, unless you're right. Scarlett Johansson. Right. In which case, you know. Uh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, bird. <laughs> uh, but yeah. um, you. She's a wonderful actress. I don't mean to diss her, but yeah. <laughs> no, no, I agree. Uh, she's it, at the center of that controversy, and it's she and, is. And she's not the only one who does too, that. Though. But, yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, normally, normally <laughs> you play what you are. Like you're never – I once applied because I worked at a Hasidic center for two years. So I know a little bit of Yiddish. I know a lot about Hasidic Judaism. Um, and because I was 21 and, I don't know, cocky or something, I applied for a – I shouldn't say applied – auditioned for a role of a Hasidic Jewish girl in this like play and they straight up I walk into the room and they're just like this isn't for Irish people this is for Jewish people oh. <laughs> next we'll call thank you, you for when auditioning. we need an Irish person <laughs> yeah. uh, thank you for auditioning uh, we'll be in touch <laughs> he was really sweet about it but he's like you're, you're not no <laughs> I wonder how yeah. common that is like people you know trying once or twice to go for roles that just they don't suit i think everyone and tries it once or twice it. and yeah. then five years later they cringe at it like why did i do that <laughs> uh, that's funny so a little while um a little while ago you mentioned um you know kind of picking the area of voice acting that you want to pursue kind of doing some some studying before you kind of pick your path i'm yeah. curious um what was what did you want to do when you were still doing voice acting? Well, for me, it was weird because I was going through a really bad – I think it's no secret I say on Twitter that I have a mental illness. Well, it's actually – I say A. It's like three or four combined into A. And so I was going through a really um, rough, vulnerable patch where I couldn't – part of my brain was like messed up and I couldn't sing or play piano like I used to. I couldn't access that part. So I couldn't really do theater anymore. I'd have a panic attack if I had to be on film. It just like I was in this horrible paranoia, terrible space. And you don't, you're not seen when you do voice acting. And I was always an actor and that's all I ever did. So it was kind of like, well, if I can't do that aspect, I'll go into voice acting and that's how I'll pay my bills. Um, I, was always into video games. So when I first went to – oh, that's another part. Okay. So another tip for when you're starting – when you're in like that beginning of the medium part, when you already have the improv and the acting skills and you've figured out what you want to do, find a voice coach that still works. A lot of people look for a voice coach and they go for a person who's got this great resume and they used to do blah, 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 blah. If you remember in the 90s on the radio, everything was big, like Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. No one does that anymore. <laughs> now everything is real. Everything's like real understated and simple, like Toyota moving forward. Like it's all very 
real. So if you have a person yeah. who was working 10 years ago, I don't care who they are. If they're not working now, they're not going to teach you what you need to know for now. Mm-hmm. So not only do you need to find an acting coach that's working now in this decade as we speak, <laughs> but you also need to find an acting coach that's a casting director. And that is the biggest tip I'll ever give anyone. If you want to get work, find a casting director who also gives voice acting lessons and voice coaching. Um, there's plenty. And they, they're usually, they have their finger on the pulse. They know what's going on and they'll know your voice. So when they have something, they'll think of you because you're their student and they'll call you up before getting anyone else. And then you don't even need to deal with agents and managers because you already have an in. They like you. Wow. That's really yeah, smart. Yeah, that is. <laughs> yeah. So I was working with an acting coach, um, Dorian Elliott, who's a wonderful human being. And she actually, her ex husband is uh, Stephen Ogg, who's the voice of Trevor in Grand Theft Auto V. Oh. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> He's really cool. She's really cool. Their son's amazing. Like, that whole family is wonderful. Um, she is one of the most fantastic human beings I've ever met. And. She is a casting director. So I went to her and I kind of explained to her what I was going through and what I was going on and what I wanted to do. And we decided that because of my video game act of my video game expertise and my anime background, that I could do dubbing. There's not much in New York, but I could. And I could do some animation. But let me do radio commercials. Let me do the voice acting for radio and TV commercials because it's in that cute little kitschy. I have a low enough voice that I can be an adult. I have a high enough voice that I can play kids. So I made like a – my demo is full of like teenage 20s around there. So it's a lot of herbal essences and a lot of gum and a lot of shampoo and a lot of sonic fast food, that type of deal. So once you figure out what you're going to do, you also need to find your niche. And my voice is really great for teenage selling laptops back to school, that type of a deal. So once you get your casting director and once you find that, it, it's it's less about what you want to do and more about what you're suited for, to be honest with you. <laughs> Yeah, such is life. Yeah, and then after that, if you want to like do whatever, then you can do whatever. But if you you have to make your bread and butter, and you have to be realistic with what you do, right? That's super interesting. Thanks for sharing. That was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't want to steer us away from voice acting if there's more to talk about. But I was actually curious about your current project. Oh, call me Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. So I um. I when I moved to Austin, like I said, I wanted to be a game developer, but I couldn't. I tried a bunch of games. I tried making them. They weren't fun, which is kind of <laughs> weird for when you make games. You have to make it and then play it and go. Oh, that I don't was know a waste. if I've ever made a fun game, so you're, <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> that's another thing. In addition to voice acting, people start game dev and they expect to like make these like bending the ink machine. They go, "Oh, that's indie. I'm indie. That's a small team." No, this is like. <laughs> They were making hundreds of games before they made Bendy. Like Mike right. and Meatly have been making tons of little crappy mini games for dec- for for a very long time. Um So I made a bunch of games. They weren't very fun. And it's kind of like I would explain it to people. So when you do student films, and I'm going to say this, preface it with I mean this with all the love in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> when you do student films 
It's the same film every single time. Oh, no. (laughs) Every single capstone, if you put it down into an elevator pitch, is the same exact film. And that film's important. Everyone needs to make that film. That is their film. They think it's edgy. They think it's, like, the next whatever. It's not. It's the same film. (laughs) It's always, like, some sort of tragic Love story. I can't tell you how many times I've played a dead girlfriend or I've played like <laughs> oh my god <laughs> a ghost or something where like something bad happens to me, either I get in a car wreck or like I break his heart because it's always guys. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I had my student film capstone of a game where I made it and I was like, yes, this is my this ex- this is me as a game, and I played this is like it's a piece of like this is horrible. <laughs> this isn't fun. This is terrible. So I got that out of my way. And then I started to grow and develop as you do. So Call Me Sour, I'm really excited about because the first game that I feel like I can't fuck this up. I can't mess this up. I can't mess this up at all. Um it's about a girl in her mid to late twenties, and it's it's roughly based on me. She moves to a brand new town. Didn't know anyone, doesn't know anyone, doesn't know anything after she has a somewhat of a mental breakdown. So she has to move to a new place because she can't stand being in the old place. And the whole theme is about how you don't change until you need to. And then when you need to, it's still painful to change. The pain of changing, the pain of growing up and the pain of making friends as an adult and moving on and taking care of yourself, it sucks. And it's a lot to go through. So... It's set up in almost in days, like not every single day. There's only five, four days in the week. So you miss like three days. So it's not exactly, but you go through, um, the main chapter, the main story is you going to work and then you going to your therapist. And then there's three or four days in between where you explore the town and the therapist will teach you tools, not so much educational, but just during the conversation. It's narrative adventure game. So branching dialogue and you learn a couple things and you might in the beginning share too much or you might um, act too friendly towards a person who you just met or you know that social awkward stuff that everyone has to learn and no one's really great at the boundaries and all that Um, so you mess up in the beginning of the game all the choices will make you mess up like no matter try your best she's she's not right in the head (laughs) And as you learn these tools, my hope is that I'm going to guide the player into being a better person so that by the end of the game, she's not perfect. She still has a long way to go. But if you compare it to how you were playing the game in the beginning, hopefully you've learned a couple of tools that you can then take into their real life, like boundaries and spheres of influence and things that I was taught in the last two years that got me from the mess I was when I moved to Austin to a person who can sit down and make a video game and go to RTX and have a podcast and do all these amazing things that I couldn't do two years ago. That's so cool. That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> so you. I've been recently really into this idea of like games for change. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and games with a message. Yeah. Games thing. with yeah. a message. Like I'm, I don't know. I, I kind of got burned out after playing like years of Dota and Counter-Strike. Like <laughs> I got tired of the same like standard, let's just kill everything kind of games. <laughs> and so now yeah, all the call of duties and stuff. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So when I hear something like that, it's really refreshing that you can <clears throat> like take this medium 
of game development and playing games and like put it for real positive change. So I don't know. Yeah. I appreciate that, that that's what your game is about. And it sounds like, you you know, you're putting your heart and soul into it. So it's really going to hopefully connect with, with your players. Like I hope so. And it's so far what I've played of what I've made feels fun. And I, I, I am hopeful that it's not just me. I feel like it's fun. <laughs> I think people will enjoy it. It's kind of exciting because yeah. I play it and I'm you, you're your worst critic. So I play it. I'm like, right. you know what? That wasn't bad. That that was that was fun. That was good. <laughs> well, that's definitely the first litmus test for right. anything, right? Yeah. It's like if you can if you can tolerate it, if you like it, and if it's fun, it's like, oh my god, I, like am I onto something here? I also think it's yeah. important because. As everyone knows, most of the game industry is white and male and in the middle age. Yeah, right. <laughs> so to bring more um, point of views from a person, like there's plenty of games that try to tackle these issues, but I've yet to find one from a person who actually has an illness or actually has it. Mostly because if you have these illnesses, you can't make games. You can't sit there because you're not well enough to. So it would be really right. cool if we started to see points of view from the people who have those points of view as opposed opposed to points of view from people who love and appreciate those people with points of view, but it's from a third window looking in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, a game that I just played recently that I think, uh, like, really broaches kind of a similar topic to this is uh, Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. I knew you were going to say that one, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, I played it recently, and so everybody that's, like, listening to this are like, we get it, you like the game. (laughs) But, like, it actually totally floored me. And then after you beat the game, they've got a, like, little mini, like, making of documentary, a part of it, and they, like, take you through the process of, like, how they really tried to present psychosis and delusions and things like this, like, um, into the game world and make it playable and it's it's really interesting and you know i i don't know what it's like to uh have psychosis or hallucinations or delusions or anything like that but from my understanding is that a lot of people who have suffered from conditions like that are super pleased with the representation in that game and and it's a super beautiful moving game like i mean and it's it's very intense at some points um but it's yeah, it's one of those. It kind of reminded me of that when you were when you were talking about you know trying to represent these types of things from people who you know have firsthand experience. It's very very interesting, and I think we're going to see more of that, which is really fun and it's kind of awesome. Like you're almost like a pioneer in that way. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I hope so too. I find um, it's not only important because they're fun and opening eyes, but it's nice to have a reference point. If you're not very good at explaining what's going on, it's really nice to say, okay, if you don't know what it's like, play this game and then maybe you'll kind of get it and people get a little softer and a little bit more understanding if they go through it and they're like, thank goodness that's not my everyday and you go, well, it's mine. They're like, well, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll be right, a little yeah. bit more understanding. <laughs> yeah. Well, and mental illness is definitely something that I think a lot of people have a hard time grasping and like you know even myself like i don't think i have mental illness but like my mom uh had really has really severe bipolar my little brother has really severe bipolar and it's amazing even growing up with it how sometimes like i can forget yeah you know and it's like 
you want to sort of like blame them for being away and it's like no it's yeah it's not all their fault (laughs) like some of it absolutely is but some (laughs) of it isn't you know and you just have to remember and it becomes a way that you just like you know deal with uh you know people like that you it's hard because yeah you don't you don't realize it all the time so i think that's under the surface that it's not like a people often um it's it's so frustrating because sometimes i'll say yeah i I usually just say i have a condition on twitter i'm very open because i want to make others feel like they can be open and i want to be like you guys like me look at me i'm i'm not trying to kill you and i have (laughs) tons of things wrong with me so i try to be open on twitter but in real life i if if a symptoms comes up and i have to explain it i just say i have a condition don't worry about it it's dumb but it makes me xyz so if you could just be kind and understanding of xyz but it's i wish i could just say i have and then list the illnesses but if i do then people all of a sudden they either treat me like a faberge egg or they treat me yeah. like a ticking time bomb. They think that I'm either going to get really violent or I'm going to – like taking your emotions out, that's not mental illness. That's a person with bad coping skills. Everyone right. can do that. Um, violence, that's not a mental illness. I like to say that people can be heartbroken. You might eat a pint of ice cream. I might self-harm. It's just the way you react to certain things. Right. When you're on medication, when you're in a treatment program, which is what I'm excited with Call Me Sarah, all a therapist is is a person to treat you tools for what you're going through. That's it. They teach you what you need in order to handle what you're going through. So if you can't handle something, they rephrase it in a different way. They make it so that it's not black and white thinking. They kind of very gently bring up, well, maybe not everyone hates you. I don't hate you. Your dog doesn't hate you. <laughs> And it sounds silly, but like that's that's kind of what you need because you'll be sitting there like everyone hates me, everyone's staring at me, everyone's talking about me, the world hates me, I can't do this, I'm so overwhelmed. And you get like – you just start getting in your head about it and she just very gently goes, well, sure, I hear that. Um, I don't. Your dog doesn't. Your boyfriend doesn't. That friend you told me about last week, I don't think they hate you. And it just gently pushes you until you're just like, well, fine, everyone but you guys. But that's that's a big win for you to say everyone yeah. but you guys. And then you, you go from there. It's difficult. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's interesting how that works. You know, and then I think a lot of people, they don't quite understand either because like, well, you know, with today's like current political climate, we have this like weird habit of being like demonizing mental illness in a way. Yeah. And so, and so people instantly feel like they have an idea because they heard about it in the news or whatever. And it's like, no, that was just an if asshole. If it was mental illness involved, <laughs> yeah, that guy was also an asshole. And it was just right. Like nobody mentions all the other things about them. Like, oh, he was a man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or whatever, you know, like. <laughs> He came from a violent background. Right, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. So, but, uh, yeah, that's really cool. I'm excited to play your game now. Thank you. I know you were kind of mentioning earlier you're sort of, like, still kind of in the early stages, but, like, do you have an idea of, like, when you want to be done? According to my current production schedule, it will be done in a year. Cool. Oh, cool. I really hope it will be done in a year. I'm working on it, but because of the aforementioned mental illness, I also – and this is another trick because 
Uh, when you have a mental illness, you don't like using it as an excuse. That's another thing. People right. are like, oh, she's, people like to use it, throw it out. Like everything that people think about mental illness is just wrong. So when <laughs> you have one, you don't want to sit there and be like, well, I can't work today because I have bipolar disorder. You want to prove everyone wrong. You want to get past it. It's kind of like if you want to run like you used to, but you got out of shape. And so you try to run the six minute mile that you did 10 years ago and then your chest hurts <laughs> and you get angry with yourself. Like, what the hell? I used to be able to do this 10 years ago. It's like that, but all the time, every day, always. <laughs> uh, that's me every time I get on the treadmill. Exactly. So that feeling is what we feel on like I have high days and down days. So a little bit about bipolar disorder in case no one knows is it's not mood swings. It's not you feel bad one day and then five minutes later you feel happy. It's not the switching from anger. to th- It's nothing what you think. What it is is that um, during the low time, the depression, you have no energy. You have really – disturbing thoughts. You get really paranoid. You assume the whole world's talking about you and not in the normal anxiety way. Everyone kind of feels that way a bit. We all think that we're the center of the world, at least at times. This is a like, you feel like people are staring at you, weird paranoia, and you know they're not, but you can't convince yourself otherwise. So that's upsetting in itself. You don't have any energy. You can't get out of bed. You can't brush your teeth. You can't shower. You can't eat. You can't do anything. And then the other side, which is the fun side, but not so great. So a lot of people know about depression because depression is a very common, unfortunately, illness. Mm -hmm. And the other side of bipolar is mania. And that's what people aren't really uh, familiar with. So at first, the first little bit of mania, it feels like the best drug in the world. It's amazing. <laughs> the, br- the colors are brighter. The world is happier. Everyone's talking to you. You feel amazing. You're like a superhero. The songs on the radio are for you. The news is talking about you. Everything is just drilled up to a thousand percent. It's fantastic. And then it keeps spinning faster and faster and faster and faster until it's almost like a skipping record where you can only grasp onto certain things and then you'll you'll say a sentence and you'll assume you said the whole sentence, but you only said like four words. And then you're looking at the person like, why is this person not understanding what I'm saying? Well, because you're only saying four out of 12 words because your brain is spinning so fast that your mouth can't keep up. And then it almost feels like you're you're on a spinny merry-go-round and you're just barely holding on. Like when you see those kids and their dads like pushed it too fast and they're like about to fly off the little circle thing in the playground. <laughs> it feels like that. And then you can't sleep. You don't sleep for four days in a row. Like literally no sleep whatsoever. Like four days in a row. You <laughs> – so now I'm on meds and now I'm fine. But to give you an idea, one time I was manic and I spent 10 grand in a month. Whoa. Whoa. I'm still paying off those credit cards. Whoa. And that was years ago. Yeah. <laughs> 10 grand in a month. I don't even remember what I bought. A lot of it wasn't for me. I did a lot of like, you need a 3DS? Yeah, I got you. Here's a brand new 3DS. Like it's it's mental, literally. <laughs> yeah. Wow. See, that's so that's the one thing that I can always really point to. The one thing I know about bipolar is like, yeah, my mom and my little brother both have a really hard time with money in that yes. way. And obviously, it's a lot better when their medications are balanced and things like that. But man, like my mom will burn through money <laughs> like nobody's business. I it's hide wild. my credit cards. I hide my cash. I – yeah, when I – see, that's a thing. The therapist teaches you tools. I can now 
for the most part, it might take me a day or two into mania when I go, oh, okay, cool. I'm manic right now. I have contingency plans. So when I know that I'm down, it's like, okay, contingency plan. This is what we need to do. All right. I'm starting to get manic. This is what we need to do. So I have like things put in place where I don't screw up my life entirely. And I have people who then I can say, hey, guess what? I'm manic today. And they know what to look for so that if I go, yeah, I'm manic today and I'm about to go to the mall. They go, no, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) See, yeah. I grew up having to do that to my mom all the time. She's like, I'm going to go buy a brand new flat screen TV. I'm like, with what money? (laughs) What are you doing? I'll... I'll find one for you at Goodwill or something if you want something that bad. Like, good lord. You're so good. That's exactly how – I mean, it sucks. But that's exactly how you have to handle it. That's so good of you to do that for your mom. <laughs> well, yeah. And what's funny – I know. And a lot of people are like, you shouldn't have to do that. It's like, well, it's just the way it is. And what's funny too is I remember that specific instance because it was so funny to me in my mind. She's literally on her way out the door. She has called a taxi. She can't drive. <laughs> so she called the taxi. It's out in front of her house. She's on the way out the door. She's like, yeah, I'm going to go buy a flat screen TV. And I'm like, what? <laughs> why you, do you really need that like right this second she goes oh yeah that's a good point and she like waves the taxi away and like the taxi leaves and she just goes back and sits down and keeps watching tv like nothing happened it's like, weird oh my what God. you get fixated on because you're just like no i don't like this television i need a better one and you get up and you do it right then i once this is going to be horrible but i was living in this eight foot by eight foot apartment in New York, this little studio, and I was hella manic, and the little kitchenette area had this really ugly laminate, and I remember looking at the hardwood floor that went into it, and I was like, I bet this hardwood floor extends into there, and I went to Home Depot, and I got a crowbar, and I pulled up in my rental (laughs) studio the laminate floor, and there was not hardwood floor underneath there. There was a hole. There was a hole into the, the second floor. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. It was mm. <laughs> not uh, my best moment. So I'm hoping uh, Call Me Sarah teaches tools. Maybe like obviously I don't think everyone's got as much going on as I do. But I think everyone I'm going to make the tools, or at least my goal is to make the tools as universal as possible. So the spheres of influence is going to be a big one. Um boundaries is going to be a big one. Um, the importance of small talk. A lot of people like to say, well, I don't like small talk. I like to sit under the stars at 2 a.m. and talk about life. I mean, I was like that once upon a time and I feel like everyone feels that way, but small talk's just a tool. It's for people you don't know that well so that you can have polite conversations. So you can kind of get a feel for a person to know if they have the people need to earn the right to hear your story. So small talk is how you determine whether or not that person deserves to hear the rest of your story. Whoa. I've never considered that before. Hmm. That's a good yeah, point. That's really interesting. I'm one of those types of people, and it's probably why I've tried to produce like six trillion podcasts where it's like, <laughs> I've got no time for small talk. You're either in or you're out. <laughs> that's like, a that's, boundary issue. <laughs> that's pretty unfair of me to do now that I think about it. Like We uh, all do it though. Like I, I'm still – a lot of what I tweet out, I want to make it very clear. When I tweet something, it's me talking to me. And if someone else gets it from it, great. We're very similar. But this game is for me. These The things I tweet are for me. It's things that I need to constantly tell myself. And it's just wonderful that other it resonates with other people. I right. was that person who, like, 
the minute I met a person, I would just be like, my daddy abused me, blah, 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 blah. I would tell the whole ugly backstory. And if they were still standing there, I'd be like, I guess I can give you a chance being my friend now. <laughs> <laughs> right. But that's, yeah. that's just, it's too much at once. And then it becomes an, an unhealthy relationship because then that person has so much on you that if later on they betray your trust or if they, if their friendship is tested and they fail, you feel so betrayed and so hurt because they knew so much about you and they failed that, that test that should have been the first thing as opposed to giving them everything of yours. And then why'd you drop it all? I don't understand. Well, because they're, they're, that's them. That's not you, but you take that on. Like, why would they do that to me? Well, it's not about you. It was them. That's their junk. But because you gave them so much ammunition, 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 <laughs> ammo, they, you gave them so much ammo. <laughs> um, of course, you're going to get hurt. You're just setting yourself up for heartbreak. Yeah. Well, and on top of that as well, I f it, it's a lot for one person to carry and they might not feel like they can share if they're trying to be sensitive, mm -hmm. right? And then the relationship becomes one-sided in that way as well, where they're carrying kind of your baggage mm -hmm. as well as their own. They might not feel like they have a chance to vent or share their own stories now. And yeah, that's uh, – I've never considered that. So that's God, I feel like such a terrible one person. of Call Me Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> uh, well, I think it's that's really crazy. cool that – that like you said it's for you and i think that that's what actually ends up making um especially indie titles a, su a success is like you don't really worry so much about how it resonates with other people but since you're putting so much of yourself into it it actually just enhances that for everybody else um at least that's how i see it like i always talk about because i was a film studies major when i was in college and uh i always talk about most of my favorite movies are movies where I am like peering into the mind of the creator. And so it sounds like that's kind of what you're, you're doing with your game, which is I'm really hoping. cool. Yeah. <laughs> there's some um, things that I'm, um, if I, if I'm honest, there's some things that I'm not struggling with, but I'm trying, cause I also want it to be kind. Like for example, I haven't played Hellblade. Because I can't. Because it will trigger me and I'll end up in the hospital. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That game is completely ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, I can understand that. And that kind of sucks because I really want to play it. <laughs> so I don't want the people who would benefit the most from this to not be able to play this game because it triggers them. Right. So it's a balance. For example, I one part, like, it is very um, – so with PTSD, you disassociate. Uh, everyone disassociates. Numbing out in front of Netflix is dissociation. Anytime you just like – if you're driving down and you're driving home and you kind of like – now you're home and you forgot the last five minutes of the ride because it's just something you do, that's disassociation. Everyone does it. Um, with PTSD, you do it more often because your brain's trying to protect you. So a way that I can show what that's like is if you're just in the center of the room and all of a sudden in a snap, the NPCs are all facing you. That's kind of terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, I'd like to put some of that in there, but it's a balance of how much can I, because I don't want to finish the game and have people play it and have them go, okay, cool. I understand. And me go, well, no, you really don't because I took out a lot of it, but I also want it to be kind. Right. Yeah. That makes and see, sense. And that's a good balance because, you know, and it's, and it becomes like 
representational in that way. The, see, the problem with Hellblade, is, well, Hellblade is, it's made for people like me who had no idea. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's an easy way for me to digest it, right? It's like an episode of Star Trek where it like touches on like all of these like sensitive cultural issues. Mm-hmm. And then you can buy into it because, well, it's science fiction and those are aliens, <laughs> not people, you know, and all of a sudden you're like sympathetic in real life yeah. and not just, you know, and that's kind of what Hellblade is. It's it's for people like that that just need that like non-real life thing <laughs> to like justify understanding something. And I admit that that's, that's totally like wrong of me, but it's just. It's it, not though. Know. That's what it's made for. You can't. Yeah. You can't get angry with yourself for not knowing what you don't know. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I'm awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Rhett's, Rhett's username for literally everything is Red is awesome. So, <laughs> so there Look, we go. I, that got started in the MySpace days when you could pick your own URL. And I was like, what am I going to do? And I didn't. I, I didn't want to have it be my name necessarily, and I didn't want it to be like a handle that I only use in video games or something. So I was like, Rhett is awesome. Ha ha, what a joke. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's everything. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, can I ask you a little bit about the like the technical side of your game? Like, what are you making it in? And um, Yeah, um, I'm making it in Game Maker. It's going to oh, be, awesome. um, if I had to describe the style... It's going to be very similar to that SNES Aladdin game. Oh, I saw oh, you cool. tweeting about that. I was actually playing that not too long ago because my wife. Um, so I got a RetroPie like last year. I set it all up and everything, and my wife was like, "Oh, do you can you get like the Lion King and the <laughs> Aladdin game?" I'm like, sure. And so one night we like spent playing Aladdin, and it was like such a throwback. But that's awesome. Anyway, sorry. Aw, that's so nice. I love those games. I think yeah. it's nice because it's. It's pixelated, but it's not like Golden Sun, where everything kind of just looks like messy. Yeah. It looks right. sloppy. Yeah. It's clean. The backgrounds look nice. It's shaded well. And you can see what the characters are wearing and kind of like, I want people to be able to cosplay, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I need to like make something. Because at first I was approaching it and it was very generic. So I want people to be able to put themselves into it and then i realized i'm not making an rpg and the more specific you get the more people can relate so i need to get over myself and just make very specific characters but i also want it to be i mean i'm a white girl so i don't want to just have another white girl character so i'm trying to (laughs) put as much of me in it as possible without um like i don't want to just be like okay so i'm going to do like the complete opposite and make like a black girl because I don't know how she styles her hair. I don't know enough about like I'm not that. So I don't want to just make it something I'm not, but I also don't want it to be a white girl. So I'm going to have to pull a lot of influence from my friends and make like a a mix of all of us for the, our protagonist. <laughs> yeah. That's always That's hard hard idea. to balance. Yeah, like you want it. You want to be inclusive, but you also don't want it to be like, especially when it's you're putting so much of yourself into it. You don't want it to be something that you aren't, but you want it to be inclusive and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. So, are you doing cool. the artwork yourself? Yeah, I'm doing everything myself. Is it so? It's pixel art then. Yeah. Or, cool. Awesome. It's, I've been. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say it's the same type of pixel art as the Aladdin game. What were you saying? Oh, I, I've been dabbling into pixel art for a while, but that 
That seems like... Well, like, what size are your sprites, then, for, like, a character? About the same as the Aladdin. Like, not the tiny little Golden Sun ones, mm-hmm. um, but not the giant, like, Final Fantasy ones. Just, like, right okay. in that medium. Gotcha. That's pretty slick. Yeah. That's cool. I'm really excited to see more of that. That's going to be great. <laughs> it, all, it goes without saying, too, like, uh, in the future, when you make more progress or even, like, when you're releasing or whatever, uh, you're more than welcome to come back on. and Thank you. And, uh, and, yeah, shout that out and all that. So, um, yeah, we love following these types of projects. So, um, Thank yeah. you. I'm really excited for a lot of parts of it. Like, I'm excited for the sound as well. I'm going to one of my friends, uh, Ferris. He is a sound engineer, and he has this really pretty mic. That's a uh, um, a shotgun mic. So it like you can point it at something, and it will get that, but it will also get something around it. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go around Austin and just without getting as much conversation. So I'll go really early in the morning or really late at night or whatever and get just sounds of the places. So if you're in the park in game, it's going to be the sounds of Zilker Park in Austin. (laughs) And I'm going to make these the places that I have panic attacks, like the supermarkets and stuff, I'm going to make those noises as realistic, chaotic, and like stressful as they are for me. And then at home, I'm going to have like nice like ASMR, like cooking noises and calming. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> that way you want to stay home because a lot of game creation is manipulating the player. A lot of it is making <laughs> it so that like I have full control. I am telling you what to do without telling you what to do. So you feel like you're making the choices, but in reality I am. So <laughs> I'm going to make the places that I want you to go to as like cozy and comfy and wonderful as possible. And I'm going to make the places that stress you out that you have to work a little harder for as like stressful as I possibly can without saying it or without adding like boss battles or like whatever I want to do it with sound but I do have an out so my habit is that in real life I always have my headphones so if I start to panic I just put my headphones in and I listen to that lo-fi hip-hop stuff yeah oh yeah yeah love that stuff. it's all over YouTube right now yeah <laughs> I have it out with Spotify like chill hop playlist so when I'm at the yeah. supermarket or something and I start to feel myself having a panic attack I pop them in my ears and then I'm just in my own world so my goal is to have a mechanic that if you are in whatever in the game and it is too stressful that you can put on headphones and there will be some sort of just like indie acoustic calming music for you That's to cool. listen to. <laughs> Whoa, that is such a good idea. Thanks. <laughs> Damn it. I'm working just... really hard to make this as realistic to my experience as possible. So if you see something cool, it's just a habit of mine. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, oh, that's so yeah. cool. You're totally setting the bar high here. <laughs> <laughs> like, this morning I was like, making games is easy. Huzzah! <laughs> <laughs> well, it is It is a lot of, like, trickery, and it's a lot of deliberate choices to, to you know, emit a certain emotion from from the player. So Without it sounds like you're... Without being too heavy-handed about it, yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you have... Uh, You've thought about all the right avenues, and, and, you know. I think so, so yeah. God, that's so cool. Thanks. <laughs> 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 so, um, like, we obviously definitely keep going. We're kind of like getting 
to like our normal like kind of wrap up time. Uh-huh. That doesn't mean we have to stop right the second. But one thing I, I really have wanted to talk to you about since I reached out to you because uh, I'd never seen the pictures until uh, like I saw your Twitch uh, profile and uh, you're clearly in Japan in that picture. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, Taylor and I love Japan. We just uh, we went last year. It's been like almost exactly a year now, which is like heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. It so much. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like, so you went to Japan, I hope. Yes. I hope I'm not no, wrong. No, you're, okay. you're completely right. I went to Kyoto <laughs> and Tokyo. I, uh, one of my good friends, Kay, she is from Kyoto and we met each other in New York at an origami class. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> when I was 22. And she, she's an absolutely wonderful person. So I've known her for almost a decade now. And she, she was in New York for about a month because her husband owns uh, he's like third generation of a really big uh, company that's a nas- uh, an international company. And so he was doing – he needed to be in, in New York for like three or y- years or whatever because they were opening new shops in America. I don't know the details. And she, they had just gotten married. She was a newlywed. She didn't know anyone. And she spoke maybe three words of English. And wow. I spoke enough conversational Japanese at that point. That I was, she came over to me. She's like the most gorgeous, wonderful human being in the whole world. Like she's <laughs> kind of a crush on her. She, <laughs> her eyes are like the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen. So she comes over and I'm like folding my paper in a, I'm a little punky kid. So origami is too precise for my hands. I'm like, yeah, this is fine. <laughs> um, and she's so beautifully holding it and folding it and she's whatever. So she comes over to like assist me because she's a very kind person that, She's very Japanese and, I mean, very traditional. So she kind of liked how rough around the edges I was. But she approached me almost like in a very kind way of saying, like, you're, you're not doing it right. Let me show you. <laughs> <laughs> but more of a, oh, may I assist type of video. She, she phrased oh, it really yeah. nicely with her body language. But it was definitely a, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> and That's I looked awesome. up at her and her eyes were just so beautiful that I blurted out, like, oh, my God, your eyes are the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen. And she didn't understand me, so she kind of cocked her head, and she's like, sorry? And then I was like, oh, are you Japanese? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, cool. And then I said it to her in Japanese, and her voice just uh, – her face just went blank, and she was like, sugoi. I mean, it's cool, right? Yeah. And then yeah. the then it was – that's it. We met, and then she was, she's like, you don't understand Japanese? I was like, oh, skoshi, mother Josie's dead in the sun. And she was like, oh, oh my god. She sounds just so Japanese. And then we started to be speaking Japanese, and then we hung out, and then now she's got this – cute little girl named Sakura. She was born in New York. So I got to see Sakura. And then she just had her second kid when I was visiting. She just had the baby. The baby was 20 days old when I was visiting. Uh, <laughs> so I got to meet her new little baby. And um, poor Sakura's three. And she's like in it. Like she's so jealous and so angry at this new little thing that <laughs> stole her mom. So she was throwing – it's so funny because kids throw temper tantrums. No matter what the language is, it's the same temper tantrum. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like she's screaming in Japanese, but it, like trade it with any other language. It's the same like little fist banging and pouty little fa- – it was so cute. I know I shouldn't say it's cute, but it was really cute. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> so my job was uh, to kind of like keep soccer on my lap and chill her out and sometimes take the little baby that way she could hold her mommy and yeah, help that way. <laughs> uh, That's, That's so awesome. Fun. Yeah. Our uh, our trip to Japan. I so actually we have similar 
stories, it sounds like. Because when I went to school, I went to Willamette University in, in Salem, Oregon, and they have a partner school with uh, Tokyo International University. Cool. So I lived with um, a Japanese student that uh, we visited in Japan. There, I have a couple friends that we visited when we were over there, and it was God, it was just so awesome. And and like you said, like everyone is just so respectful. It like <laughs> yeah, God, like I just wish I lived over there because well, that's the thing. Yeah, it's uh, that's the thing I miss most is like how quiet it is. I, yeah. I know it was. Yeah. It's like you're in the middle of Tokyo, and it's like. Uh, this is quieter than like my sleepy little street in town of three thousand people. You know, like everybody yeah. in the states is like so loud. Me included. It's not like I'm exempt from that. Like, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and then also how clean it is. Like, oh, I get so enraged now when I see litter on the street. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you guys? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, there's so much I miss. I think about because. Like pretty much everywhere we stayed, you walk outside and there's that vending machine right outside. So we get iced coffee every yes. morning like, before I got we're about to walk tea. like 20 miles. Yes. Yeah. Oh, hot tea. Yeah. Yeah. I got obsessed with the little like lemon drinks. Oh, I can't yes. remember what they're called. That's what Those I would are, get. Oh, green they're bottle so with good. a little cross on it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Damn it. They were so good. I know. Oh, man, I couldn't so stop. Yeah. I would like buy the vending machines out of them and like carry them around all Dude, day right? while we're like sightseeing. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you do that? The vending machine. There's one like every three feet. Why would you carry that much with the- you? Those because bottles I'm a were rare, though, actually. Western savage. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> like. <laughs> my favorite part, well, not my, I've penned plenty of favorite parts, but what I miss is um, the service, how you can walk in and you just press the buzzer when you need something or you just raise your hand like, and yes. then they come over. There's no like, hi, I'm Sarah and I'm your server today. None of that. <laughs> I'll be taking care of you today. <laughs> oh, I hate yeah. it. None of that. I just say what I want. They give it to me. They put the receipt on the table so I don't even have to wait, like ask for my check. That awkward conversation. Yeah. And yeah. if I order more, you get your more... food when it's ready, yes! like rather than waiting. <laughs> like, yeah. see, yeah, oh, it's amazing too. I, uh, I, I do hate that about American restaurants. And uh, what's more, though, I would we would have been fooled by that if we didn't have help, like our first like True. real restaurant experience. Like, remember how intimidated we were, Taylor? Yeah. Like that first time, like we were going to eat at this like ramen restaurant, but it had some machine to take your order, and I was like, yeah. oh, I can't do it. <laughs> I love those. I love. Those. Let's go to McDonald's. Too. <laughs> We didn't do that, by the way. But <laughs> Well, hey, I went to McDonald's for breakfast one morning, and oh. that's because I go out of my way to go to a McDonald's in every country I visit <laughs> just to see how different it is. So. That's true. Uh, yeah. When I was a kid, the only McDonald's there was – there was only two McDonald's in all of Ireland. So anytime we went over, my brother was raised on like pizza, McDonald's, and ketchup sandwiches, which is white bread, ketchup, white bread. <laughs> And it wasn't until he got a girlfriend when he was like 14 or 15 that all of a sudden he was eating shrimp and chicken. Like as if he always did that. She's like, ketchup sandwiches are weird. Um, So he – anytime we went anywhere, he was so picky. He wouldn't eat anything. So we sought out the McDonald's where – I'm from County Offaly. So it's like dead center, bog land. They call it Colchis. Colchis is basically – it's not rednecks, but it's, you know, country people, same same. Oh, right, idea. right. Okay. Wellies and farmers. Um, and it was like an hour drive. It was either in Galway or Cork. I forget. But we went to the McDonald's and my mother was so pissed because you had to pay for ketchup packets. And my brother, as ketchup <laughs> sandwiches, <clears throat> loves ketchup. And it was 5p per ketchup packet. And he went through like 20 of them. So she ended up spending like three pounds on ketchup. Never mind <laughs> the food. Never mind the travel. Like she was so done with it. She started screaming because at the point she was in New York for like 
10 years. So she was used to New York where you can just take whatever. <laughs> and she's, it was, it was, it was intense. <laughs> words when <laughs> words were spoken. <laughs> uh, that's oh, awesome. that sounds great. Well, I'm glad he outgrew the ketchup sandwich thing because I mean, <laughs> don't get me wrong, that sounds disgusting. Delectable. <laughs> See, we used to make uh, tomato soup out of Heinz ketchup packets. Ugh. That was uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds pretty nasty. It, water, it, it water, and ketchup, and then you put it in the microwave. Is that how that works? Uh, well, we did it on the stovetop, but it's basically <laughs> tomato. They're not barbarians, it's basically... <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Taylor, we actually cooked our yeah, meals, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's basically tomato concentrate is all it is, just with a ton of freaking sugar. sugar. Yeah. yeah. It's like the only difference, but... Um. Well, that's another thing. The ketchup in Ireland doesn't have the sugar. It tastes very vinegary. So we had to go to McDonald's to get the ketchup that he would eat. Oh. <laughs> So in addition to the McDonald's meal, we were there for the freaking ketchup. Like I kept on – there was a super a, a supermarket right across the street and I remember being nine or ten when this was happening and looking at my mother being the smart ass I was and like, there's a supermarket right there. Why don't you just go over and for the same amount of money, get two bottles of ketchup? Like what are we doing? Why are you yelling at this cashier? <laughs> but he wouldn't – he needed the high and sugary American ketchup. To so the point yeah. that from then on, my mother would just bring the ketchup bottle from America – to Ireland when we would go home. <laughs> mm, that's smart. <laughs> wow. Well, um, is there anything that we missed that you want to talk about? Because I know we kind of we kind of moved quick there. Um, um, let's see. Oh, so one quick thing with the um, if you're not fortunate enough to live in a major city and you do want to get into voice acting. Yes. Okay. This is the one thing I saw on our list that we forgot. So there great. are. Um, it's a little bit more tricky. Um, biggest thing is move. You can move. (laughs) (laughs) Um, little less dramatic than that is that there are pay to play sites. So voices123, voices.com. Voice Bunny is one of them. I don't like Voice Bunny. Um, it, it makes you do the work before you get paid and then it's almost like a, a, uh, auction. Like you do the work, you put it in and then they get to decide. And if you're, if you're chosen, oh, they oh, pay wow. you. So if you're you're really green and you kind of just want practice, sure. But if you're doing it like, okay, I know what I'm doing now. I'm ready to get paid for it. Maybe not the best. Um, I forget how much they cost because I haven't done it in a while. But they're basically online audition sites. So you, it, there's no point in spending hella money when you're starting out. So get yourself a really nice headset. I'm currently using Turtle Beaches. I recorded all of Benny the Ink Machine on Turtle Beaches because I got rid oh, of my nice. microphone when I moved because I wasn't supposed to be a voice actor anymore. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, this stays in the trash. <laughs> I sold it for like – I had a, a Yeti for the longest time. Like before everyone else had a Yeti. Oh, nice. When it was brand yeah. new, I had a Yeti. And then when I moved to Austin, I sold it to some person who wanted to start a podcast for like 60 bucks. And then two months later – Meatly is like, hey, do you have a microphone? Can you do? I've got turtle beaches. That's what you're getting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So either like a nice headset, even like a fifteen dollar Logitech. It doesn't matter. You can always upgrade later. Um, You can edit it if you don't need to spend money on software. You can just use the free stuff. um, At least when you're starting out, and then whatever your uh, bottleneck is, whether it's your software, your microphone, whatever you need to improve, you can save up and just go through it. You don't need to take a thousand dollars so in order to soundproof it because sound 
reverberates and where you are. It depends. Um, either go into a closet with a lot of clothing and that will dampen it, especially if you can get a rug for the floor, like a carpet. That will be as good as any sound booth. Just set yourself up, get a music stand, put some uh, fabric on the music stand. That way the metal doesn't bounce back. Put your little microphone on there or your tablet or whatever you're recording on and just do it in your closet. Or get one of those fabric cubes that like Target sells for college rooms. Like the, they put in that like, uh, plastic shelving thing. Oh, you know what yeah. I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Get one of those and get either egg crates or other soundproof foam thing and put your microphone in there. Cause honestly, what's around the microphone matters, not so much you. So if you shove your microphone in there surrounded by that, that, uh, foam, and then you kind of just talk into there. That's perfectly acceptable for the online auditions. That's awesome. Yeah. That Start sounds small. really, sounds very practical. Yeah. There's no reason to, especially if you're not sure. You might do it. You might hate it. Like it might be your dream. A lot of people go into video games and go into voice acting because they really like playing video games or they've been watching anime for forever. And then they try it. And it's not nearly as fun or it's not what they expected. And you know what? That's totally okay. Then don't do it. You tried it. That's amazing. You tried something you were really interested in and you found out that you don't like it. That is wonderful. That is amazing information. You learned something about yourself. That's what life is all about. So don't drop $1,000 to find out that you hate it, you know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's part of the reason why I went with Unity instead of Game Maker. <laughs> oh, I got Game Maker in a humble bundle for fifteen bucks. Oh, okay. I yeah. I did get yeah. that one actually. Eventually. So did you, Taylor? I did. That's true. <laughs> I didn't go for like the Game Maker two like full everything export to everything because you don't need it right away. Exactly. Yeah, you were just checking out if it uh, suited you. Yep. Right. Just like we we're talking about. Right. Um. Dude, that's that's really cool. I wonder uh, where do you think that like audio book narration has any sort of place in like a VO actor's like repertoire Absolutely. or like resume? So that is one of the other categories. So there's telephony, there's audio books, there's announcements, there's uh, animation, there's dubbing, blah blah blah. Um, Audiobooks is its own little category, and if that's what you love to do, have at it. That is one of the more difficult ones. Oh, cool. Probably time-consuming, too. <laughs> it is so time-consuming. It is so tiring. Even if you're not putting on voices and you're just reading a book, you have to be entertaining. Someone has to listen to you. It takes forever. You don't get breaks. You sit in the booth for like six hours at a time and read a book out loud, which doesn't sound stressful until you have to do it and two hours in you're just like I, i'm on chapter three <laughs> uh, yeah yeah well it goes to show you like how many i mean i've tried to listen to lots of audiobooks where you know you get an hour or two in and you're like i can't do it but then you listen to harry potter right and you got jim dale oh, yes. who's just like a sonic treat right in your eardrums <laughs> and he's just like doing all the voices and he is entertaining as all heck you know he so. won an award for that for that oh, did he recording. Really? Yeah. The Harry Potter <laughs> uh, recordings, the audiobooks, won awards. That's how good they are. Wow. Yeah. Jim Dale's is really awesome. It is Anytime really he difficult to do that. Anytime he narrates an audiobook, what's up? It is really difficult to do that. 
Yeah, I bet. I I was just curious because uh, this one thing we talked with Bentley a little bit. He just uh, he didn't have that much experience with it just because he uh, is like super ADHD basically. <laughs> so he's like <laughs> he can't sit there and read, and then he can't. He doesn't want to listen to his voice afterwards and like edit or anything. So, um, but yeah, um, dang it, I feel like I had another quick question, but I can't remember. So that might be oh. <laughs> Easy question for you. Do you have do you have a favorite uh, voiceover actor or actress that you re- really admire all their work or their craft? Uh, I when I decided I wanted to try dubbing, I was a huge fan of Laura Bailey. She's the voice I think of Toru Honda. She does a bunch of Funimation stuff. Oh yeah, and I was a huge fan of everything she did, and so. I was doing other voice acting stuff, and when I was hearing her, she's kind of the one who had me think, well, maybe I could do dubbing, too. And I went to a convention. So I did a convention run when I was, like, 23 because I was hella manic. And I I decided – because I do this thing where I decide things and then I I make them happen. (laughs) So I decided – that I was going to do a convention run for one year. I was going to go to one convention every single month and three conventions for con season. So May, June, July, August, three conventions in those months, a new cosplay on every single of the three days on each of these conventions. And I wasn't going to spend any money. Oh boy. (laughs) Did that work? (laughs) Yes. I ended up spending $150 and that's it. What? That's yeah. insane. <laughs> so it was a lot of making cosplay commissions and selling them on Etsy. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of doing panels. A lot of the smaller conventions, if you do three panels, they'll give you a free ticket. Oh, cool. So it was a lot of making panels. It was a lot of meet and greets. I wouldn't change it for the world. I would not be able to do even a third of that now. <laughs> I think I'd die. But, you know, bipolar disorder is an amazing drug until <laughs> <laughs> So um, one of the, I think it was KatoriCon, uh, Michelle Knotts, who's the voice of Jesse from Pokemon, and then Bill Rogers, who's the new voice of Brock from Pokemon. I'm currently yeah. still friends with Bill, and there was a couple of other people there too. And a lot of times when people ask questions at conventions, I mean this with all the love in my heart, they say things like, I can do the Squirtle voice, and then they do the Squirtle voice, and it's like, great, do you have a question? <laughs> <laughs> So it was a lot of that. Um, oh, wow. And it's just people being fans and getting excited. There's nothing really wrong with it. It's just it, – I'm sure it gets tiring after a while. And so I go up after like the sixth person saying like, look at me. I can do the Pikachu voice. Mind you, you're saying these to the voice actors, by the way. You're saying, look at you, look at me. I can do your job. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> what do I even need you for? Yeah. <laughs> so – and then if, especially if the follow-up questions like, so how can I do it? It's like, how can you get my job? <laughs> like, <laughs> Um, so I go up there and I'm like, hey, so I have a background in film and theater and I'm an actor, but I'm thinking of breaking into dubbing. What suggestions you have? And they were just completely floored that I had a question and that it was coherent. (laughs) 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 That afterwards they met up with me and we had a lovely conversation. I had Bill Rogers over my house for dinner and we like just chatted about, um, voice acting and, he introduced me to Tom Wayland and a bunch of people at Art that do Pokemon. And from there, they introduced me to the people who do Yu-Gi-Oh! And it's all voice acting and uh, game. the game industry is a very small world. So once you know a couple of people and you're a good, kind person who does good work, 
they'll introduce you to their friends and their friends and their friends. Because everyone just wants to work with their friends. Everyone wants to work with good, kind people. So as long as you're a cool person, not cool like, look at me, I'm so cool, like a cool, down to earth, not full of themselves, genuine person who like listens and bathes, you're good. (laughs) (laughs) So how important is bathing to the process? uh, I'd say the first important thing, like the number one important thing. (laughs) <laughs> oh, dang it. I could never break into the business. That I'm <laughs> I was actually talking to Cricket at the booth during RTX, and she came in on Sunday, and she just looked so refreshed. And I was like, you look amazing. How'd you do that? And she goes, I bathed. It's <laughs> 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 this thing called shampoo. It was lovely. Uh, Head and shoulders. <laughs> uh, oh, that's great. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, you know what? We could probably keep going forever, but I <laughs> think I'm going to pull the pin on this one. Uh, it has been an absolute blast having you on to talk about this. Thanks so much for taking some time to jump on with us. My yeah, pleasure. Really Thank fun. you for having me. It's wonderful to go yeah. on this. Is there um, anything that you want to plug? Obviously, uh, your game and all that. Now's your chance. Just plug it all. Plug your social media if you want to do that. It's all Twitter. So follow me on Twitter. It's T-Y-B-A-W-A-I. It's not a word. It's an acronym that only I know the acronym to. And I'm never going to say it because it's really dumb. So let's just keep it mystery. <laughs> um, a lot of people keep guessing. Like after we did that podcast before and I mentioned that it was an acronym, I had so many messages of is it this, is it this? And everything that people came up with is so much better than it actually is. So I'm just going to leave it a mystery. <laughs> Well, it's never too late to secretly change it and never tell anybody and be like, it's this amazing, profound thing. Uh, yeah, just pick the best one. And then I got to. Hmm? Oh, go oh, ahead. I was going to say, and then the game's Twitter is call me Sarah, but Sarah is uh, C-E-R-A. So call C-A-L-L me, M-E, Sarah, C-E-R-A. And those are my two Twitter accounts. And I think I have other social media, but honestly, those are the two ones. I'm going to start a website and a blog soon, but... Um, I'm, I'm making a studio called Team Toad House, Team Toad House Games. And once nice. all the legal is done with that, I'll have a website and a blog that will kind of show kind of like what we talked about, the beginnings of game dev and the beginnings of voice acting so that people can see that everyone is bad at the beginning and hopefully helps people <laughs> not feel so terrible about their <laughs> ball rolling game. <laughs> Roll a ball. Yeah. Yep. We did a rollerball. We game. did. It was fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Gosh. Thanks again, Alana. Um, if there's anything we can do to help you out with uh, launching your game or anything, whether it's just like retweeting it or or if, uh, plugging it in our Discord or whatever, let us know. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. And and again, I, I think I'm safe saying that you are you're welcome back on anytime. Thank you. Um, we definitely want you back on at least when you go to launch your game or something like that. So, um, so yeah, we'll stay in touch. And um, yeah, I guess that's it. I guess we'll plug our <laughs> stuff real quick. Uh, you guys want to reach out to us? You can do so on Twitter. We're at Game Devs Quest. Um, if you guys want to email gdq at airpodcast.com or you can come join our Discord server and see what everybody's working on and chat, find inspiration or or chastisement maybe. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can do that. bit.ly forward slash gdq discord. 
Um, and if you guys want to support the podcast financially, you can do so by using our sweet Humble Bundle link. We are talking about Humble Bundle uh, today. I think it's a really awesome resource because they have all sorts of awesome game dev books. Uh, turns out that uh, we all three bought the same awesome Game Maker bundle <laughs> on uh, Humble Bundle, which is great. Um, they have lots of cool tools if you just like to keep your eyes out for sweet deals. And you can do that bit.ly forward slash GDQ hyphen humble. Um, we really appreciate you guys listening. And uh, make sure you guys hit up Atlanta on Twitter and check out our game. And uh, make sure you are all excellent human beings be kind to each other (laughs) yeah be kind to each other be safe have a great rest of your summer and uh or great rest of your week rather we'll see you next time thanks guys Uh, thanks so much thank you cue that music yeah Mm.